Attention all units, please stand by to copy a bolo. Bolo from Anytown PD regarding a delayed homicide. The incident occurred at 123 Any Street, Anytown, USA. No suspect or vehicle description provided. All units are requested to respond to helpsolvethecase.com for briefing. Clear Bolo, 0818 hours. Hey everybody, it's Christine with Help Solve the Case. And today, I want to talk about help. I I wasn't going to use this topic, this um, title, whatever content for this episode, but I think I think that it's really important because, well, unfortunately, we have a lot of parents out there that don't have information, don't know what is going on. And as I was explaining to you a parent today, I think the the lack of answers makes things a whole heck of a lot worse. And and so I kinda I was explaining background and I thought, you know, there's like I said, unfortunately a lot of parents that may be listening to this uh, may want to reach out and are feeling the same way. Uh, And so maybe I can explain it, not necessarily making it better, but explain what is going on, what we can do about it, Uh, maybe give you some ideas and some thoughts um, about getting getting help, right? This is Help Solve the Case. It's about getting, getting help. So many of you know as I was, I was talking to a mom, a parent of a murdered child, it is over four years for her. Uh, we're going to have her come on the podcast. Uh, she's doing a little, we're doing a little pre-work, uh, doing a little, I don't want to say sneaky stuff, but we're doing a little pre-work and she's going to come on the podcast, but well, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it a little bit, but talking to a mom who lost her daughter. Her daughter was shot and it's been four years and there is no answers. And just like Alexis Edwards' mom who came on the podcast, um, nothing. You hear nothing. It's like a brick wall. Um, and, and why does that, why does that happen? What do we, what do we do with that? And so as I was explaining to this mom, well, let me let me back up a little bit. So for those of you that know about me, some of you may not know about me. Just be like, hey, there's this lady that likes working cold cases. There's a whole lot more to that. I was a police officer for a long time. I was a detective. I was a sergeant. I've been a private investigator for a long time and... I guess two two years now, a year, two years now, um, a law enforcement expert witness. I've seen, I've been a paralegal. I've seen pretty much all sides of the criminal justice system. So I've seen it from the cop side. Uh, I 
I do some defense work, right? We've talked about help solve the case, does wrongful convictions. And I've, I've seen it from that end. And I get asked on a daily basis to comment on, did the police do the right thing or did they do the wrong thing? I also train law enforcement officers. And in, in a most significant, most significant sense, I've unfortunately been on the victim side and uh, of a homicide, uh, not myself, uh, but the no answers, the no communication, the grief, the destruction to the family, um, the family members. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So I hope that that kind of gives me a unique perspective to to talk about this. And so what are we up against? What are we what are we up against? And and here's kind of what generated the the topic for this podcast because this this mother of this murdered uh young lady reached out to me and she was telling me the story like I said we'll put it on the podcast uh for you guys and I hear the story and and the story unfortunately is the same I don't know what the police are doing why haven't I heard anything we know who did it why won't they talk to me? When is this going to be over? Why won't they make an arrest? On and on and on and on. And rightly so. Frustration, anger, resentment, all kinds of things. And as I said to her, so we talked for a while and then I said, and I didn't mean it in a facetious way, but I said, Okay, how do you want me to help you? What, what do you want me to do for you? And she said, I want, I want justice. I want them arrested. I want them prosecuted. And I, I only have a, a portion in that, right? I'm, I'm not the prosecutor. I'm not the police. I, I can't do that. And so then it kind of circles around to the ever-present question. I mean, one of the reasons that helps all the case started was because of cold cases, the the disgusting amount of cold cases and lack of resources and all of that. I mean, it, just if we talk about manpower, women power, uh, resources, money, and time, even if the cases were solvable, I just think it's a, it's a resource issue rather than a good case, bad case type issue. And it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for the for the law enforcement officers, right? I, I don't necessarily know any of these people that are working on these cases. But I can imagine when I put myself in their perspective. And so here's kind of here's kind of what goes on. So if you are a family member or you are a a person, maybe you're one of our virtual investigators that works with us on these cases and you know how 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 does this all come about? What do we do? Why why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Because there's there there just is the way it is, and it and it starts out with um, a case that when it was hot or warm, everybody was probably going like gangbusters, and then for whatever reason, it just stopped, um, and kind of like 
a, a vehicle, right? When a vehicle stops, it breaks down. I was talking to a gal this morning uh, about car car troubles and it just stops. And then you have to figure out what the problem is. I guess that's kind of a good analogy. Everything was running fine. It looked good. We were on the way getting to our destination. If we're going to use this analogy, we we're on our way to get to the destination of justice and, and the vehicle craps out. And, and what happened, right? So is it out of is it out of gas? Is something broken? You know, is the computer not talking? Whatever. Well, if we use the the vehicle analogy, if we talk about gas, you know, maybe it's the detectives are completely overwhelmed, and um, I I don't know how even to explain this. Like, there's not. I want to say there's a priority, right? I, I worked in this situation. I want to say there's a priority, but I don't even like the word priority because it's it shouldn't be a priority. But basically, something happens, right? A crime gets reported. Uh, somebody calls dispatch or whatever, or the officers see something happen, and they they want to do what I refer to as habeas gravis. They want to go and arrest somebody and put the person into the system and go through that. And for whatever reason, in in these cases, these homicides or deaths or whatever we've got currently with the case that we're working, maybe even a missing person, right? Um, the officers run out. I mean, that's their their response. They run out. They talk. They try to do whatever they could do at the time. And if they don't have an easily visible suspect, uh, where there is probable cause, good probable cause. There is no immediate arrest. And one of the things I was talking to this mom about is that, which I've said to the the two other families, I believe, that cases that we're currently working, we don't want, we don't want a bad arrest. Okay, we want everything done right. And I know it's hard to be patient, but as I mentioned, I work on wrongful convictions. I work on defense where, Sometimes cops didn't do it right. They didn't get it right. They rushed or had tunnel vision or whatever. I mean, that's a that's a subject for a whole other podcast. But so when these cases come out and these these killings happen, these murders, and the police respond and there is, you know, nobody there that's immediately available that is a solid 100% arrest you know, time, you know, maybe you've seen the first 48, right? Time ticks and they talk to people and they do stuff. And then you have to get evidence checked and all this stuff and talk to people. And there can be a number of reasons. So, so basically if it's not a hundred percent wrapped up tight with a bow in front of their faces, when they go, we want to make sure that they do the investigation properly because as, as much as you, and I'm talking to the parents, friends, family, loved ones, want an arrest, we don't want the wrong arrest, okay? We, we, we want good justice done. We want it swift, but sometimes it's not swift, right? Um, and so when there is not an ability to make an immediate arrest, uh, it takes a while, and other things happen during that time. Witnesses are spoken to. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, I'm laughing, but um, hopefully, evidence is tested and all that stuff. And sometimes, there is, I want to say, just not enough. Like, sometimes, 
you hit the wall. You hit a roadblock. And for whatever reason, I mean, maybe, maybe um, you've got a name, right? A lot of word on the street. It was this person or that person or you suspect suspect this person, that person, but there's no physical evidence. Nobody saw anything. Maybe it's been so long and you don't have much information. You can have a case that's circumstantial with evidence. You can have witnesses and people that come forward, eyewitness testimony or whatever. But look, we've seen these cases where that is faulty too. So I mean, my preference, if I'm, I'm not going to prosecute a case, but if I'm building a case as a police officer, I want as much um, confirming information as possible. You know, I'd love to have 10 people say, yes, this is the person. And and I would like to have, I, I don't know, I mean, DNA and and blood and photographs and video. And you know what I'm saying? Just a, a wealth of information that there there's just no way to have reasonable doubt, right? Um, but a lot of times we don't have that. A lot of times given different lifestyles, given different situations, we, I'm talking about the police, whatever, are at the behest of, whew, goodness, maybe people that were involved in some bad things. And so they don't like the police. They don't want to cooperate with the police. They, they might've had some culpability or a lot of states have enacted laws where if you're present, you you buy the crime. I mean, they're not going to say anything. Uh, there's retribution. There's family alliances. There's gang alliances. There's all kinds of things that make people not want to talk, right? Um, I'll mention a, a good example. There was just recently uh, some domestic violence, right, in my neighborhood. And, and I witnessed I witnessed part of it. I didn't witness the beating, but I witnessed part of it. And the one spouse coming, running out, screaming out the house uh, to the police who were there very quickly, which was awesome. And then typically the way this happens, uh, the, the spouse doesn't want to, doesn't want to cooperate, doesn't want to say anything bad about the other spouse. And so without uh, some states have different laws about having evidence or visibility of injuries or things like that uh, to go ahead and make the arrest but nothing at that point was able to be done very frustrating it's it's not only frustrating for uh, the witnesses or whatever like me the neighbor but it's frustrating for the officers too because sometimes you just know right so as a family member you may be sitting here and everybody's telling you like I think we've got a couple cases it was this person it was this person why aren't they doing anything why because people don't cooperate and you can't necessarily force people to cooperate um you need physical evidence. Sometimes you just don't have that. Sometimes ooh, you need you need leverage, whatever. So so let me go back to what I was talking to this parent. I was saying, okay, you want me to help. What do you want me to do? Right. So I can't I can't call up the police and say, look, you need to take care of this. What why are you not doing anything? You need to tell me everything. Uh 
you know, what, what is going on? Why are you treating these people this way, right? Because they feel neglected and, and left out. One of the things that I told this lady was I said, reach out to victim services because victim services should be the interface between the liaison between you and the police. And I've seen some very good victim witness advocates that really stay on top of the police because I think that no matter how old the case is, the victim should be getting answers or communication or feel that they're being heard. And so um, one of the things is that we need as much information from the police as possible and we just don't get it. Uh, family members sometimes feel like they're third class citizens. Uh, I, as an investigator, I, I was one of their compatriots, right? I, I was not only a detective, but I supervised and, and um, so I have rank on some of these people, if you want to say that sort of equality sort of thing. And they don't care. They don't want to talk to me because I'm, I'm private. I'm, I'm not in the inner sanctum, right? Nobody wants to have the specter that they're not doing a good job. That, that's it. They, uh, you know, there's, there's been a few. We're talking to some law enforcement with some of the cases. And, and they've been really trying to help. It would be really great if we could have a public, um, I want to say like a public-private partnership, but if we could have a government, uh, private, and public partnership. This is what helps all the case is all about. It's about getting the people with the knowledge, okay, that the government, the police department has the responsibility of the case. And and I, I'm I'm willing to investigate, okay? I'm willing to investigate and do the work. And the public, you guys are willing to help too. That's that's what you do. That's why you're part of this. We want to spread the word. We want to get get um, information out. And so, the first part of the problem is that it seems when it comes to these cases, because there's not an arrest, nobody has any information, and nobody wants to talk to the victims. And that leaves me coming in with not a lot to work with. And so we talk about freedom of information. One of my main questions is always, do you have the police report? I've probably talked about this. What do you know? Because I'm happy to investigate or reinvestigate or compare and contrast. But if I don't have any information and I don't know what they're doing, I don't know. I don't want to jeopardize the case. And so I always try to reach out to the police and make sure that I want them to know. I'm not, I'm not trying to step on your toes. How can I help you? Use me as a resource, right? We've got the public here. Use us as a resource. But a lot of times we don't get cooperation. And so then what do you do? Um, we can only assume what's going on. And so the first thing is to try to get information. And it, there's a status of the case. Is it, is it, closed? Is it ongoing? Is it cold? Is it really, really, really being worked? I've seen some very successful FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, um, cases where people are suing and they are suing to get information that I don't want to say law enforcement is hiding behind it. I mean, it's, it's, it's factually true that it's a cold case, that it is being worked because a case is usually open until it's closed. And it can only be closed by several reasons, right? So may that maybe it's factually correct, but in theory, nothing's being done. And so the courts are ruling that this information can come out. And so if we can get that information, I mean, the best scenario is that in a perfect world, they go, they get the crime, they go get the person, 
conviction and that's awesome they get the right person they get the right person right away they get a conviction or the person pleads whatever um great so now you can um grieve and try to move on or 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 make a new life I, I don't know that just sounds terrible but in a perfect world that's what we want and then unfortunately if they don't arrest the people right away or they don't get the person then how can we help right so the next thing they should have regular communication. They should be in communication with the family. And to the extent that they can, sometimes I've seen people hide behind it. Well, it's open case, can't talk about it, can't talk about it, can't talk about it. I think that they need to be pretty straight with the family about what's going on. Is it because somebody else is being used in another case? Is it because, hey, we just got nothing, okay? We got no witnesses, nobody's talking to us, and we have no evidence. We got nothing. Then what do you do? So then, um, you know, you want to try to get the information about what's going on in the case. I, I, I find it hard pressed in this day and age that with DNA and technology and all this stuff, there's no, no evidence whatsoever. Um, but if we're at that point, then what do you do? Then maybe we go to public pressure. And that's one of the things that we try to do with the billboards and the flyers and you know, crime solving and uh, just news stations, just getting the word out. That's why I do the podcast, whatever, because um, we we need to get the word out. And, and a lot of times too, right, when I say to the police, uh, what can I do for you? Because I am, I am a private person, right? I, I don't have arrest powers. And sometimes people will talk to me. Sometimes people, you know, people get involved in stuff, right, wrong, or otherwise, and again, I was talking to this mom today about um, relationships change. So for instance, if something happened and, and there is a man or a woman behind whatever happened and they're in a relationship, just like the trauma of, of the death to the victim can tear apart relationships, the, the knowledge of these crimes or the guilt and the carrying of this can fracture relationships among other potentially bad behavior that these suspects or perpetrators could be doing, right? Obviously, they're probably not living the best life. And so many times if you wait, you can have a breakdown of a primary relationship between suspects or witnesses or whatever. And we can come back and circle, uh, I was going to say circle around, <laughs> but I want to say that we can come back and go, go back and re-interview these people and sometimes loyalties change. Things change. Uh, hopefully before memory degrades. But alliances and loyalties will, will change. And that can sometimes be helpful. But sometimes there's not a lot that we can do if we cannot get the information. We can try to go out and talk to people. Um, hopefully we can get the communication from the police. So, so where are we with this? How can I help you? I can try to help you the best I can. Obviously, I would love to investigate the case and get some facts and, and get something, a nice little package, like I say, with a bow that I could hand to the prosecutor or hand to the police and say, here you go. Uh, the reality of that happening, sometimes it's not, um, you know, not so often. But at the most part, if we can first start to help open the lines of communication with the police, so that victims feel heard, uh, 
feel respected, right? I, I'm trying to help. I, I want to feel respected. I, I believe that there's some obligation from the government to, you know, from the police to the, the victims in the community. Um, and then what can I, what can we do with that? And if it's, if it's peer pressure, or not peer pressure, but pressure to try to get witnesses to come forward, or if it is talking to people and maybe reworking some uh, interviews to try to determine relation status to see if, if people will talk, if it is raising money to get testing done, you know, physical testing or evidence testing, getting the news media involved, whatever needs to be done. Maybe it's going to court and getting FOIA, getting that information. But we first have to start with the police. We, we first have, I say, what do you know? What do you have? What do you know? Where are you stuck? What do you want me to do? Um, and again, the answer is, you know, get the, get the person arrested. And that, you know, that's a kind of broad ask, but through going through these questions, okay, let's, let's start at point one and point two and, and let's, let's see what that relationship is with the police. Uh, if you are not getting the cooperation and the information that, uh, you feel you're entitled to, then, then shame on them. Right. So then, we need to work on that as a first measure and see, are we going to have the cooperation or are we not? What do we know? What can we do? And then we go from there and we just decide to do it however we're going to do it. And you can see that in some of the cases. So it's very frustrating. And the only thing I can say to that is uh, you'd rather have a good case than a bad case. I mean, that that's that's me as a as a victim's relative. Um, I want, I want a good case because I've been on the other side of it and I see how easy it is, it is to attack it. Um, and so it's a balancing act. It's kind of a juggling act. You know, I I was going to say client communication, but, um, the police department, you know, victim communication, but in essence, they are the clients, the constituents to, to get all that done. So I, I don't even know if this, well, you guys, you guys didn't ask me a question, but, in the last couple of weeks, I've had several parents ask me this question, you know, why isn't anything being done? They, they express the frustration, or whatever, and trying to explain where this, oh, I, I forgot, I'm going to add something to that, where this comes from. You know, when a case is open and they are working something, they just can't tell you. I mean, there is, and I'm speaking from personal experience, just an everyday police versus public, and I don't want to say versus, but the police perspective on the internal, what is going on, uh, as opposed to what the, the public sees, you, you have no idea. You have no idea. If you knew everything that was going on with the crime and all that stuff, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be very scary. Okay. Um, and so just in regular briefings or potential this or that, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that the public, you know, they don't want to create create hysteria or hysteria or fear mongering or whatever. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And then specifically, in a case, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen it on TV. They hold out one one piece of evidence. So if the person confesses, they make sure that that's right. Or um, just for so just for so many reasons, they have to be tight lipped about it. And Hopefully, we say that every time that this goes on, that it is for a legitimate, valid reason, and we have to respect that. And so, 
uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's extremely frustrating. And so I guess my my answer to, to this would be to start, if, if you as a victim, family, friend, or loved one is not getting the communication that you want, then by all means demand it. And if you don't like what they have to say or they're not answering it, then let's let's do some things to try to get some answers. But again, it's a balancing act on all parts because we want a good case. We don't want the police to make a mistake. And your your child, friend, family member or loved one to not not get justice, right? That's what we're here for. So Sorry, kind of long-winded, kind of all over the place, but I was trying to explain this to a parent today. All the different moving parts to this, and I hope that that maybe explains a little bit about how we help and what we do, and um, it's not the same thing. Like, we just don't pull out the, okay, the first stop is here, although the first stop is usually the police department, right? What what do you know? I mean, from the family member, what do you know? What did they tell you? Um, what happened? And then we try to get as much detail and then what has happened between then and now and try to get as much information as we can so we can develop our plan of attack. But if we don't have information, we're kind of for, I don't want to say that's a terrible, it's not a pun, but we're dead in the water. So we need to find a source of information and we're going to start with the police department. And then depending on what happens with them, oh yeah, we're going to take it public. We're going to take it public because you have a right to have answers. Like I said, no victim deserves to be victimized twice or feel that you're being victimized twice. Unacceptable. And <laughs> that's how I try to help here to help solve the case. Uh, we love having people with eyes and ears that want to participate, bad about theories. Somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that maybe heard about that. Uh, we've got a lot of experts, all kinds of different things that we do. And we can't do it without you. So I, I really appreciate your listening. I really appreciate if, if you're a member of the, what I'll call the Patreon portal, a member of the Help Solve the Case community. If you are a virtual investigator, I really appreciate your sponsorship and your donations because we can't do this. We can't do this without you. Um, we got to get the investigations and got to get this work done and got to get the posters out and got to get the billboards out and all the stuff that it takes. Um as well as our investigator time. So we appreciate all suggestions, thoughts, and everything. Um, please like and share. If you are a family member, uh, unfortunately, that is listening listening, and you just have not gotten justice, please feel free to reach out, um, and we'll do the best we can, right? We'll talk about it. We'll figure out um, <laughs> why the vehicle isn't running, why the vehicle stopped running, and to see if we can get to our justice destination uh, as soon as possible to get justice for your loved one. So thank you very much. This again is Christine and thank you for helping us help solve the case. And I will talk to you guys again soon. Have a great day.